Hello, and welcome to Lessons from Leading Women, a podcast dedicated to uncovering what it takes to be a successful female leader in today's world. I am your host, Elena Wanvigdot, and this is episode five of the podcast series. Today on the show, we have Suzanne Weeks. Suzanne graduated from the University of Oxford with a diploma in coaching and consulting for change. She also went to INSEAD, I-N-S-E-A-D, where she received a master's in management. Suzanne Weeks started working in operational management and did so for 20 years. She later moved into leadership development coaching and consulting, which she did for 10 years over three continents and with people of over 100 different nationalities. Today, Suzanne focuses on helping individual senior managers, teams, and organizations get more out of themselves and others. Well, thank you so much for being here, and we're just going to get started. So I know that you're an executive coach, and you're obviously very busy having traveled so much. Um, What advice do you give to young girls that are called bossy when they're trying to be confident? The first thing I would ask them is, what do you think? You know, is, is do you think you're being bossy or do you think you're being confident? Because I think for me, the first thing is there is there is a line between when are we too timid, when are we too, talk, too confident and when are we too bossy? And when somebody tells us that we're bossy, the first thing to think about is, well, how do we see ourselves in that moment to understand the difference? And to try and stay in that really, really healthy zone between when we feel we're confident and other people see us as confident and when we see us as bossy. And And when we see ourselves as bossy, we almost certainly are. Yeah. So what role does confidence play in becoming a strong leader and being able to lead people? I think that in order to be a great leader and need and lead other people, you need to have both confidence and competence. There's part of being a leader which is about being a role model, how people see you. And if you don't have confidence, it makes it very, very difficult for other people to follow you. And if you don't have any, anybody following you, then by definition, you're not a leader. So... That's a really good point. Is there things that you wish women executives knew about how to be stronger leaders? Because you work with a lot of women executives, and I'm sure there are things you wish you could tell them to help them. The thing that I say very, very often when I'm working with with women is there's always this idea of competition. How do you compete to move ahead? There are five of us in in this particular grade in the hierarchy, and only one of us is going to be promoted. One of the things that I think is really, really important for women is are you competing as if you're a man on their terms or are you competing as a woman? Because if you compete as a man, you can never, ever win because by definition, a man can always be a a man better than a woman can be a man. So what are the parts of you that you don't use and you don't leverage in order to try and be a second-class man instead of... What is it about you as a woman that you can use to really, really help you? So, for for example, I am, it happens very often to me that I'm one of the, I am either the only woman in a room or one of very few women in the room. So that makes it easy for me to stand out. If I then go in wearing a black suit and a white shirt, I've just given up a black trouser suit with a white shirt. I've just given up a huge part of what makes me unique. 
if I work, walk in wearing a not black suit or a more feminine blouse, I'm noticed much more than if I pretend to be a man. So a huge part of the advice that I would give women or get women to think about is what part of you are, trying, are you trying to make a man? Because that won't help you. And the second part would be around there are, you know, as with Hillary Clinton running for president right now, there are all these questions about, you know, are you warm or are you competent? And very often women are seen as if they can only be one, warm or competent. But for the women who are already warm, how do you show that at work and leverage it? And for the women who show none of the warmth at work, the question would be, well, why not? So looking back at your experiences, education and training, what elements of your background helped you to become a strong leader? Having the courage to be different, having the courage to ask difficult questions and questions I didn't always know the answer to, and I think the, 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 the huge big thing moving forward is to let go of that technical competence and needing to know all the answers and want to know all the details and to truly believe that the, the people working with you, they should know all the details. My job is to have them work really well together and get the best out of themselves, not to try and do their jobs for them. What do you tell women that are scared of jumping into the unknown and are scared to do something that they don't know all about? Um, I don't tell them. I always ask them what they're afraid of. And are there some pieces of advice that you think are useful to girls nowadays trying to be more successful? Um, I think one huge piece of advice is don't compete as a boy. You can never be a boy as well as a, a, as well as a boy can be a boy. And for me, the other one is, you know, what is it that you really, really want? And what is the price that you're willing to pay in order to get there? So if you want to be CEO, I think that's a fabulous goal. To be to be a, to be to make it to be CEO, it probably means you're giving up something in your private life. You may not be very present as a mother if you choose to have children. It's likely to mean you're going to travel a lot and work long hours. So for me, the, the question is always: What is it that you're willing? What is it that you really, really want? What price are you willing to pay in order to go after that success? And what help, advice, and support do you need along the way? because nobody is truly successful individually it's always as part of a it's always as part of a team and part of a bigger effort so at what point in your career do you allow yourself to be successful with others not just independently of others well as it relates to women the workplace has clearly evolved in the last 10 years what's the most significant change you've experienced and is there something that you wish would happen that hasn't happened yet? So, so, that, so the, sound, the sound cut out there. So remind me again of the first part of the question. What's the most significant shift in the last 10 years? 
Yes. Was that the first yeah. part of the question? So the, I think the first part of the, 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 the answer to the first part of the question is around intention. So now you see many governments as well as many organizations making conscious statements around this percentage of women in senior management by this date. So the intention to include more women at senior levels of management is much more spoken to now than it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago. And um, is there something that you wish would happen that hasn't happened yet? That's, that's, a, that, that, that's a great question. I think what does, my sense is what doesn't happen in organizations is you, so if you have, for example, me and three men competing for a role, and I get the role, the assumption is that the three of us may have been equally competent, but the only reason I got the role was because I'm competent and a woman. Or sometimes the assumption is it's because I was the woman of the, of the four people less left. So for me, I think the two things that don't happen enough are to explain those choices, why it was that, that women were selected for, people, for particular roles, to try and ease the resentment so people can see that this woman got it because she's competent, not just because she's female. And secondly, when you have women in these roles, uh, what is it that organizations are doing to bridge those differences and allow those differences? So I want to take a little different perspective. If you were to imagine you were a principal of an all-girls high school, what would you do differently in the curriculum versus the standard high school today? What would you want to emphasize? So I'm not sure how well I know the high school curriculum today, but for me, as you think about what happens over the first 15 years of career of your career, if there are two things that I would I would love to see added to the curriculum, the first one would be um, to have the students also assess effort. So like in the IB, everything is graded out of seven, but that's only based on performance and results. But I would like to see students also ask, and what effort did you put in? So students are asked to think about the effort that they put in and to what extent their result is correlated with their, with their effort and to what extent, you know, result is sometimes just correlated with core ability. We're not all capable of getting a seven in higher level maths. And we're not all capable of getting a seven in higher level art. So there is something that is just about ability there, but there is something that's about effort. And I think that in most education systems, what is rewarded, noticed and spoken to is result and not effort. And I think the second thing that I would, I would introduce into a high school curriculum would be the part which is self-assessment so as you turn in you know as you turn in a paper or a something that you're also asked to self-assess you know what grade do you think you got and why you know what could you what could have been what did you do well what could you have done a little bit better to bring that part of self-assessment in because if you look at people in their careers at 30 40 50 and 60 many things that get people into trouble later on are either that side, that part of you that thinks I'm never ever good enough, that only ever looks for what's missing, that can never ever see anything that you did well, well, seeing only negatives and gaps, 
And what gets other people into trouble is over-arrogance, assuming that everything you do is right and everything everybody else does is wrong. So if you could bring that part of self-assessment and at that, even in those teenage years, getting people to take a balanced look at what are the things I do well and why, what are the things that I can do better and why, would set people up to not have quite so many in those extremes as they hit important parts in, uh, in corporate life. And do you think having a mentor... And I think the other thing, just a second, the other thing oh, yeah. that I would say, because that's hugely shifted, you know, to sort of your generation of high school compared to my generation of high school, is um, there are many more parts of the high school curriculum that involves doing things with other people, getting results with and through others. And that is the only way to be successful in huge parts of corporate life. So for any curricula that is still focuses on independent results, I would bring in something that involves collective result. I think you're right. Working, even if your goal is to be the CEO of a company, a huge part of being a good CEO is being able to work with people, work through people, and have a good team because the success of a company doesn't only depend on the abilities of the leader of that company. It depends on everybody. Oh, absolutely. And it's also having the humility to know what you don't know. If I'm the CEO, I want my chief financial officer to know the numbers much better than I do. I want my chief technical officer to know the whole IT and operations side much better than I do. I want my HR person to know everything that's going on in the company in a way that I never will. But that involves being able to give up the idea that I have all the answers and I hold all the expertise and give it back to the people where it really belongs. And my job is to get them to work together, to set the direction, to set the vision, have people working together. So if you had the chance to say something to your 16-year-old self what would it be? A piece of advice. Be What is it that you really want? Who do you need around you to try and get there? And what is the price that you will not pay when the sacrifice is too great and it's just not worth it? Well, you have given me and everybody listening to this podcast some really incredible pieces of advice that will hopefully be very useful to them working their way up to the jobs, even through school, to learn how to work together and learn well as themselves and to know how to evaluate themselves. So thank you so much for being here. You are very welcome. I'm sorry it's taken us two or three reschedulings to finally make it happen, but I'm really, really pleased for you that we were able to make it happen. And I hope you've got a whole range of different different points of view um, to make it a really, really rich personal project for you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm going to... That was a fantastic, very informative interview. I specifically found interesting what Suzanne said about competing as a woman with all the advantages and disadvantages that that brings instead of trying to compete as a man. She said, no one can be a man as well as a man, which makes sense. It's a good concept. 
Next on Lessons from Leading Women, I'll be interviewing Christy Strauss, the former CEO of Serial Partners Worldwide, a $2 billion joint venture between Nestle and General Mills that operated in more than 140 countries. Thank you for listening. I hope that you liked the podcast because I really enjoyed making it for you. I would love to hear what you think. If you have any questions or comments about my podcast on successful women, please contact me at 2424-E-L-E-N-A at gmail.com. Before I sign off, I would like to give a special thank you to my guests for being here and sharing such valuable advice because I think they can have a real impact. As well, I would like to thank Baron Schweigman for letting me use his recording studio and equipment that allowed me to make this podcast series a reality.